You're listening to Twin Day, a show all about empowering Black and Brown entrepreneurs to thrive. This podcast is powered by Bank of America. Bank of America has made commitments to advance racial equity and economic opportunities through investments, grants, and partnerships, such as this partnership with our Twin Day podcast. Today on this episode, you'll get to hear from Tyson Moore, president of Bank of America Nashville and market executive for Merrill Lynch Wealth Management in Middle Tennessee. We discussed Tyson's career story, ways that Bank of America is improving the financial lives of individuals and entrepreneurs, as well as their 30-year commitment to supplier diversity, working with businesses like those in our Twin Day program. Twin Day, meaning Let's Go in Swahili, is a Tennessee accelerator program that's leveling the playing field for Black and Latina founders. I'm Brittany Cole, Chief Equity and Inclusion Officer at the Nashville Entrepreneur Center and your host of the Twin Day podcast, where you can expect to hear stories of entrepreneurs thriving in their businesses, insights from organizations that support founders of color, and get access to resources to help you grow and scale your business. For more content like this, visit twindaypodcast.com and follow anywhere you get your podcasts. So now, on to our conversation with Tyson Moore. Well, thank you, Tyson, for joining us today on the Twin Day Podcast. We are really, really excited and very honored to have Bank of America as our partner for season two of the Twin Day Podcast. So welcome to the show. First, uh, first one of the season. Yeah, well, no, not quite. Here. We're kind oh, of okay. we're kind of in 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 the middle of the season, but um, okay. you'll be in a really good spot to share uh, about the great work that you get to do. So maybe we'll start there. Tell us great. a little bit about your story, kind of you know what brought you to Bank of America. Where are you from? And tell us a little bit about your career. Well, thank you. I'll try to keep it somewhat simple. Yeah, so I was born and raised in Ohio. Well, I'll tell you what I do now and kind of sure. how I got to the role. So I serve as the president for Bank of America here in Nashville and uh, also serve as a market executive for the Merrill Lynch Wealth Management business. So it's really a dual role. And I got here by way of Akron, Ohio, where I graduated from the University of Akron. And um, thank goodness for my mother because she was an entrepreneur also, which is great. And she at one time had said, well, she was a personnel recruiter. So she knew what employers were looking for and they wanted experience. Um, they wanted to know people had experience coming in. And so she said, hey, before you get out of school, you need to go figure out what you want to do and maybe get some experience. You have something to talk about in your interviews. And so I thought, gosh, mom, I have a couple of years left. So anyway, I took her advice and was lucky enough to have somebody introduce me to somebody at Merrill Lynch. And so I just celebrated my 25th year with Merrill Lynch back in January and Bank of America, of course. And so I started out as a financial advisor, built a wealth management practice. And during that time, had also helped coach some of my peers, our training and development program, ran a small office. And during the course of my career, I got to a point where I thought, I love what I do every day, but I don't know if I want to pull in the same parking spot the rest of my life. And so I felt like I really wanted to get further into leadership. And so I you know, went through our leadership academy and passed what we called our assessment center at the time and moved from Ohio. We lived in Washington, D.C. By the way, I met my wife in Cleveland, Ohio. So we then moved to D.C. We got married in D.C. I was there for three years. In 2011, we were transferred to Chattanooga to run. I ran all of Eastern Tennessee as a market executive for Merrill Lynch. 
And I should say prior to that, when we were in DC, Bank of America actually bought Merrill Lynch during the great financial crisis. So that was a transition for us. And we, we lived in Chattanooga. And then 2012, they moved us to Nashville, Tennessee. And so now I serve as a market executive for Merrill Lynch um, in middle Tennessee. And in 2017, I was lucky enough to be asked to be the market president for Bank of America also. So thank goodness to my mother yeah. for great advice. But Wow. One congratulations. And yes, I definitely was thinking moms are always right. <laughs> yes, they are. Yes, they are. So. Yeah. And that also speaks a lot to the power of connection, which we often talk a lot about over at the Entrepreneur Center and of course in our twin day program. And so it's it's great that you had that introduction kind of into what would then become your 20 plus year career. Yeah, right. Wow. Yes. So Thank talk you. to us a little bit about as the president of Bank of America and having this dual role as well. I'm sure your day looks different every day, but if you had to describe a typical day, what does a typical day look like in your role? I guess a typical day, you know, the tip, the most typical day is you start out looking at what your day looks like on a calendar, but the most typical day doesn't look like a typical day, I guess, because so things are always changing and things are different based on client needs. And there's, um, that's what makes it fun and exciting, I think. But my primary responsibilities every day is to really think about driving our responsible growth strategy. You might say, well, what is that? And I would say that we really focus on three pillars. The first being making sure that this is a great place to work for all of our associates, that they, you know, feel inspired coming to work every day, that they feel like, you know, they can come in, bring their whole selves to work, that they, you know, feel motivated and inspired by their jobs, that they feel like they can, you know, grow personally and professionally. The next component is really making sure that we're delivering for our clients. So I spend a lot of time thinking about how can we better connect our teammates so that they can provide you know their level of expertise to all of our clients individuals families businesses etc you know with eight different lines of business we have a lot of people with different areas of expertise you don't want to be a jack of all trades you want to be a team of specialists and so making sure that those people are connected that they understand you know how they can come together to better solve their client needs and therefore um, it helps us grow market share. It helps us, you know, build our brand and our reputation and be able to do more for clients. And then the third piece is just making sure we're responsible citizens and making sure that we're doing what we need to do to, you know, support the communities in which we live and work. And we're supporting the different nonprofit organizations that we do. You know, I'm really proud to say that since 2018, Bank of America has given back about $8 million back to the community and really thinking about how we can support economic mobility, affordable housing, food insecurity, um, jobs upskilling and reskilling. And then beyond just giving the money, I'm really proud, you know, that our teammates give anywhere from six, seven or 8,000 volunteer hours every year. And I think in 2022, we, our employees, I think it was probably a record, gave over 9,000 volunteer hours wow. of their own time to different institutions, organizations that are meaningful to them. And we support them with, you know, matching grants and Anybody that you know spends more than fifty hours at one organization will actually make another grant on their behalf. So that is fantastic. I know one of your values is better financial lives, and it sounds like you all are doing that from, like you mentioned, your internal teammates with your workforce, of course, with your customer and client base, but also 
within the community as well. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit more? Of course, we are sitting in Nashville, Tennessee. So if you're listening in and you aren't in Nashville and we have the best view right now. So I know you're listening in, but I mean, the, the view is pretty incredible up here. Talk to us a little bit about some of the work that you all are doing to impact lives um, here in the Nashville community locally. It is a beautiful view, by the way, and it's a beautiful day, by the way. It so is. this is uh, <laughs> spring is here and, and summer's on its way. So yeah, we spend a lot of time thinking about that, actually. And I think the best way to describe it would maybe to be able to give you a, a couple of examples. Number one, um, thinking about how we can support the Entrepreneur Center and, and Twendy and a variety of the programs that we've supported in the past. You all do a terrific job, not only helping the people that come in your doors and you know leverage some of the services, but I think you know even at times being agnostic and saying, hey, maybe we're not the right place for you based on what you're trying to accomplish. But we know two or three other nonprofit organizations that you should connect with that can get you further, faster, et cetera. And so I believe one example would be our partnership with TSU. And uh, they're a great you know, university here. And uh, we just gave them a million dollar grant a few years ago to help close the gap between the certifications or the degrees that students are coming out of the university with and the jobs that are available in Tennessee. We want to do whatever we can to keep people here. We've got great, talented um, students that are here that don't need to move, shouldn't have to move away to find a job. And so we give a million dollar grant for the university to be able to work with other employers and think about how they can redesign some of their degreed programs mm-hmm. so that people walk away having the certifications and the degrees that they need to be able to fulfill the jobs that, that are here in Nashville. And it meant coming together with, you know, other, you know, companies around town, people in the healthcare space, technology space, transportation, of course, banking, et cetera. So we were pretty agnostic about it. And so we felt like if we can close that gap, that's one way that we can give back to the community. And it's worked out really, really well. And I'll give you an example. I had um, coffee with somebody today over at Creamer right up the road. And, you know, I was talking about joining our company and he said, gosh, it's really interesting what you talk about. He said, I graduated from TSU. And he felt like, And so he wanted to get into banking and finance. And he said, I ran into a hurdle where I didn't have the degrees or the designations. And he said, I I felt like at the time, gosh, I just spent four years in college, in the college of business, but I didn't come out with the right degrees. Like what could have been different? And I said, that's the problem that we're trying to solve for. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, certainly wish we would have been there earlier, maybe for him and all the other students that have come before. But so another example might be Matthew um, Walker Healthcare Center. 37208 is, is you know, probably a, the community in, the, in Nashville that, that struggles the most. And so they are there, North Nashville, and we gave a, a, a grant to them. And their real effort is how can they get people in the community who want a job in healthcare? How can they create a program that provides training and support for individuals who want to get in healthcare and maybe can start in the front or the back office? Maybe even as a receptionist, you don't necessarily have to go to school and get a four-year degree or two-year degree, but they can provide on the job training to help people, you know, just get their foot in the door. And we know that if we can, they know if they can change one life, then they can change a family's life. And then you think about what that means generationally. And so that would be, you know, another example. And then um, just south of here would be Connexion Americas and Mm -hmm. and they do a great job. I know you all work with them and just helping, you know, Latinx um, individuals just think through like, you know, everything from how do they start a business what are the tools and the resources they need, developing a plan, thinking about a you know product or solution and how do they get that out to the market? Then, you know, supporters of them over the over the you know past few years and making sure that they have what they need in order to provide, you know, help and guidance to the people in that neighborhood as well. 
Absolutely. And you you hit the nail on the head with really how we think of ourselves at the Nashville Entrepreneur Center as being that front door for entrepreneurs to make those connections. And so you mentioned TSU and one of the things that we know from a DEI perspective, and it's been such a joy to be able to serve in that capacity at the Nashville Entrepreneur Center as their chief equity and inclusion officer. When you look at the generational dimension of diversity, Gen Zers are very excited about entrepreneurship, like mm-hmm. even before. So like that story that you shared about, you know, you've you've gone to school for years. Did you get the education that you need? In this case, oftentimes it is to start a business. And so those questions are coming much earlier right. in the career journey. And we know that Bank of America offers a lot of resources for entrepreneurs, for small business owners. So can you talk to us a little bit about um, some of the resources that are available for entrepreneurs that might be listening into the podcast and think of Bank of America not only as like the place to house that profit, but also a partner in your success as a business owner? Yeah, sure. Well, I love the spirit and the energy of the Gen X and and really all entrepreneurs because, gosh, they just have this passion and this fire for some idea that they have that they want to get out to the marketplace and a problem that they think they can solve. But I think, you know, for us, the resources that we can provide is number one is the importance of having a personal relationship with your your banker. And uh, he or she typically comes with a tremendous amount of experience. Um, having worked with a variety of business owners that that might be kind of in their book of business, you say, but you know they handle a variety of different companies and different people, and so they have a great perspective as to what's happening in the business world across a variety of industries. So having a relationship with a banker, I think, is really important. Second, I think it also comes with you know, particularly with Bank of America, you know, this global expertise and this mm. intellectual capital that you know comes not only just locally, but nationally and internationally. And sometimes we can help them think through like, what problems are they trying to solve now? And also forecasting like, what what have we seen in the past, learning from you know relationships and history and helping them forecast like what might happen in the future and how they can prevent stepping in any potholes or you sure. know, hurdles that may come up along the way. And just being a really good strategic advisor. We have 2,400 financial centers and we've got small business specialists in each one of those. And it's really the place that we're trying to drive people to for advice. Bank of America is also one of the largest small business lenders. We've probably got you know twenty two billion dollars in loans outstanding to you know businesses nationwide, and so they come to us for advice, and of course they come to us for capital. And we've been really you know happy to be able to provide that to those small business owners. And then we also have I think you know roughly two billion out to um, CDFIs and, and MDIs. So community financial development institutions and minority depository institutions. And so we're also, you know, looking for ways to support them so that they can continue to get out there and support, you know, business owners, et cetera. And then I think one thing that I was really excited about that we had done recently working with Marcus Whitney, who I know is very close to the Entrepreneur Center, was we were nationally, we've given about $450 million to roughly 130 private equity funds that are focused on supporting minority-owned and women-owned businesses. And we know that oftentimes they're not necessarily, they don't receive you know the largest portion of the capital available and people do private equity investing. Mm-hmm. And so this was a way for us to be able to participate and really help try to close that gap and give access to the capital. And not only just to the private equity funds, but we anticipate that they're going to be you know reinvesting in, in you know, Two or three thousand more businesses, which we think is is terrific, because that then can help them receive the capital that they need to 
continue to drive towards this dream and this vision that they have of being a small business owner and getting their product out to market and being successful. So there's a variety of ways that we're helping small businesses. Some very impactful ways for sure. Thanks. I want to ask you this question as a corporate executive, because certainly sometimes, especially working at the National Entrepreneur Center, I'm doing a lot of work in the supplier diversity space. And sometimes there can be this disconnect between the corporate world and entrepreneurship. So there's sometimes this mindset of like, well, what's in it for the corporate executive? Like, why would you collaborate with, why would you look to partner with a Nashville Entrepreneur Center to support entrepreneurship? Can you talk a bit about your maybe own personal perspective of the role that entrepreneurship plays in the work that happens here in a large corporation? Sure. So a few things. I think about my mom being a you know small business owner and how important having those relationships were to her and some of the challenges that she faced as a as a you know as a female owned business and mm-hmm. you know just trying to make sure trying to find ways to get indoors and build the relationships that we have. And so you know with Bank of America, small businesses are you know critical to the success of our country and 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 I'd say the world because sometimes they they see opportunities and can solve some things that large businesses necessarily can't. Um, you talk about supplier diversity. You know, diversity for us has just been, you know, critical and core to our responsible growth strategy. Again, I talked about how important it is for our employees, how important it is for our customers and for our clients, and how important they see it. But supplier diversity for us, you know, gives us, you know, we've celebrated 30 years of of leading around supplier diversity. You know, it gives us a chance to really think intentionally about who are we buying from. Understanding that, you know, even at times there's probably some, you know, some unconscious bias that may happen in the way that we go about procuring, you know, different things across the organization. So being really intentional, I think, is important to us. And it gives us a chance to work with small businesses and coach and mentor them and understand what it's like to sell into or to provide for a very large business. With large business comes, you know, a little bit more paperwork, maybe some red tape or what have you and things sure. you have to go through. But sure. but those are lessons that a small business owner can learn. And we feel like if we can help them break into those barriers and maybe get that one large contract, then that can lead to two or three or four more. But that's part of the process. And uh, and we think we can be an advocate for them and really help kind of grow and mentor them. And it's, and again, continue to deliver on our responsible growth priorities. That's, that's fantastic. And certainly, um, as you mentioned, Bank of America has, has been a longtime leader in that space and particularly has made some very specific commitments to advance uh, racial equity and um, economic in, uh, opportunities as well throughout the community, which are just fantastic. And if you're listening in and you are not aware, definitely want to make sure that you know um, that in 2020, Bank of America celebrated 30 years, as you mentioned, of this commitment to engaging in diverse owned businesses. And so again, just from a twin day perspective of thinking about how we as an organization across the state can best support our founders, we certainly are looking at ways to connect supplier diversity into this accelerator program. So as you're building capacity, you're also getting that opportunity, just as you mentioned, to get that one deal that also gives you the experience of what it's like to do business with the Bank of America. So uh, we certainly appreciate that. One final question, I guess, in that space, when you think about the value that you see in terms of corporations and these diverse own businesses doing business together, kind of what would be your vision of what you would want to see in terms of Bank of America to continue that 30-year uh, leadership in the supplier diversity space? 
Well, it's a great question. You know, again, this has all been core to our responsible growth strategy. It's important for our associates, important for our clients. And, you know, what do I like to see continue? I love the intentionality of it. I love, you know, the opportunity for us to be able to continue to do more. And, you know, anytime that you've you've got a great program in place, it's easy to probably say, hey, you know, it, if, it, if it's not broke, why try to fix it? But things change and, you know, providers change and businesses change. And so I think we have to continue to, you know, revisit it, keep it fresh, keep it new, et cetera, and bring, continuously bring people in. I also think we were at a, at a meeting a couple of weeks ago with some of these people, you know, who are investing in some of these private equity funds, supporting minority-owned businesses. And I think the other opportunity for us is to be able to educate and inform other companies about you know, establishing, you know, a supplier diversity program. Mm -hmm. They have one, how can they advance it and do more, helping educate them about the benefits that we've received, the benefits to the community, the benefits to, of course, all these small business owners. So not only working with the small business owners themselves, but also working with businesses themselves that can probably stand to do, you know, quite a bit more as well. That makes me so excited. <laughs> it makes me so excited to hear because I think that is such a large opportunity and it's certainly something that I am personally very passionate about because it's one thing to hear it from the perspective of how this helps the founder. It's something completely different to hear it from a corporate executive to talk about this is how it helps our business and how we can help more businesses think like this and then take the corresponding action. So certainly while we are in this space of thinking through like what does a pilot look like? How do you connect this to an accelerator like Twin Day? Oh, we are certainly grateful for the partnership with the podcast right. for you all continuing to be supportive of the work that we're doing through our Twin Day Accelerator Program. Right. You all are doing a terrific job. So Thank you. I, we really appreciate to be part the opportunity to be part of it. Thank you so much. Any final advice that you share with our entrepreneurs that are listening in that are day and night thinking about how do we grow our business to maybe even one day make a Fortune 500 list? What advice would you share with our founders? That's, that's how it that's how it starts. And so uh, somebody else has done it. Nobody deserves success more than you. So why not you? I do think about like you know, gosh, don't give up. You've got to persevere. I think about. Small business owners, I think about just, you know, sticking to your strategy, understanding what your product is, you know, what problem you're trying to solve, understanding that things change, but really sticking to the strategy, making sure that you have a really strong mentor or two or three people that are, you know, really going to be honest and, and give you, have a tough conversation with you and give you a dose of reality from time to time, but be there to help you when you need to pivot or change or what have you. And then never forget that the client's interest must come first. And so you've got to make sure that you understand your client, you're listening to them, trying to help them solve their needs. And, uh, and then just realize it's going to take commitment and sacrifice, I think personally and professionally from time to time, but don't give up. Well, you all heard it here. Thank you so much, Tyson, for joining us on the Twin Day Podcast. We appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening to the Twin Day Podcast. Follow now at twindaypodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Twin Day Accelerator program, please visit twindayaccelerator.co. I'm Brittany Cole. Until next time, keep thriving. <laughs>